Welcome to more than a few words of marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, I am just so excited because I've got my friends in the studio um, hanging out with me today. Robbie Slaughter. Good morning, Robbie. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, and it's really nice to have you here. And Michael Reynolds. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. And refereeing to make sure that I don't get into trouble, Allison <laughs> Carter. Good morning, y'all. Before we get started, if you have not had a chance to meet Robbie and Michael, either through their respective websites or on Twitter, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, tell you a little bit about who they are and what they do. We'll start with Robbie on this one. Well, thank you, Lorraine. Well, I am a professional troublemaker, but uh, my, my primary job is I run a small consulting firm. We do productivity and workflow consulting. You can learn all about us on our website, slaughterdevelopment.com, or on Twitter at ask. Slaughter Dev, S-L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-D-E-V. And I can vouch for Robbie. He is indeed a troublemaker. Uh, I'm Michael Reynolds uh, with SpinWeb. We are a web solutions and digital marketing agency. And you can find us on the web at spinweb.net and also on Twitter at username at spinweb. So happy to be here. We're really glad that you're here. If you've got questions throughout the program, please give us a call at 805 9865, or drop us a note on Twitter. You can direct it to the Roundtag account or use the hashtag MTFW. So kicking off this morning, we're going to talk about productivity. And, you know, it's the end of the year. I know it's just the beginning of November, but most smart business owners are already looking at next year. So things they should be thinking about now to add to their routine. I'll let Robbie go first on this one, and then Michael, and we'll switch later. What should business owners be thinking about to become more productive in 2012? Well, these kinds of times of year, we, we begin to, as business owners or even as employees, to start to think retrospectively about what did I really accomplish this year and what did I not get done that I wanted to get done. And the big challenge that I always tell people to look at is to holistically evaluate pieces of your work and to say, if I had to identify the top five things I actually did this year, what were they? Uh, in terms of activities, you know, did I go on sales calls? Did I do service work for clients? Did I shuffle a lot of paperwork? What were those particular items? And then once you've identified those five items, really break down the steps and procedures involved to make them more efficient. Maybe you should outsource them. Maybe you should hire more help. Maybe you should uh, add tiny software packages to make those things more effective. Cool. Michael, what's on, uh, what would you recommend in addition to that and to be more productive next year? Well, uh, I agree with everything Robbie said. Uh, he always has good advice uh, on that topic. I tend to be a little more Kaizen-ish. I guess I don't really look at the year in terms of, you know, January is kind of this magical time to, to start things new. I sort of uh, um, kind of improve things over time as we go. Uh, so usually I'm always tweaking my systems. I'm always uh, evaluating new software products. And a lot of it comes down to figuring out and identifying where my energy is going mm -hmm. and kind of, um, where I'm most productive at certain times of the day, certain locations. And so I try to go uh, kind of with the grain on my energy. So if I'm finding that throughout the past few months I was spending time, you know, trying to tackle some projects and my energy just wasn't really lined up, I think, well, I'll try it at a different time. Maybe I'll try it in the evening or I'll try that particular project in a different context. And so I'm always trying to kind of tweak my energy and then aligning it with uh, the projects I'm working on so that I'm not fighting against the natural context I want to be in. And of course, just picking new tools also. I'm always evaluating software products. I'm always trying to figure out, you know, can I find something that will serve my needs better in terms of a tool or software product too. So it's kind of a continuous improvement progress with me. 
I want to go back to that, that comment, though, about time of day. Um, I think I realized when I was at Conseco, more than any other place in my career, how important time of day was. And when I went out on my own, what I discovered is I'm really productive first thing in the morning. I can concentrate. I can write. In the middle of the day, I want to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And then late in the day, I can settle back down to do real work. And it's really only in the last few months that I've really kind of enforced that in terms of how I, I work again. Um, I don't come into the office most days until, unless I have an early meeting, until 9 or 9.30. That's because I've been writing from 7.30 until 8.30 because that's good writing time for me. Um, and then when I get here and I hit the door, I'm not frustrated that I can't get anything done because I get to talk to the people that I work with. Okay. So I, I think that's good advice. And James is the opposite. I'm useless in the morning. so. <laughs> My prime working time is 8 p.m. to midnight. <laughs> That's when I'm most creative. It really is true that all of us have a natural rhythm. And, you know, the reality is most work environments actually discourage us from paying attention to our natural rhythm. But when you become a business owner or you work in a small business or an environment where you really want to embrace your ability to produce, your ability to be creative, you have the opportunity to listen to your own natural rhythm and realize that you're good at working in the morning, in the ranch case, or you're better at sleeping in the morning. I'm really good at sleeping in the morning. <laughs> but I think that, you know, that, I think that's a challenge for business owners, not so much for ourselves, but as you, you're managing the workforce, um, you know, Allison's got, uh, when she's got to write, Serious writing. She likes quiet time. How do you manage that? Well, we actually discovered this. Um, those of you in Indianapolis will remember the excellent ice storm we had last winter that basically trapped everyone inside for about two days. There was no going to work for those two days, and in those hours, I got more done than I would normally do in a week in terms of just hardcore busting out writing because Lorraine wasn't running down the hall with some new idea. My intern wasn't bothering me with feed with me for feedback or on something. I could just write and do my job. And so now we've taken that through. Every other Friday, I hang out at home and get my serious writing done for the week. You know, these stories, the story of the ice storm, and often people say, I was on a plane flat and I was surprisingly productive, are really curious because what's happening in these situations is that an arbitrary set of circumstances are leading to an environment which gives you the ability to be productive. And then if you can do what, um, what Allison and, and Lorraine have done here around PEG and actually capitalize on that, and build that pattern. You have to wait for the next snow day. <laughs> so, and that really is, is, is something very profound because so often we sort of assume that uh, work is the place where you get work done. The office from eight to five where things happen. But the reality is, is that work is what really occurs when people aren't watching. Really, work is what occurs when you hit that natural rhythm and you go to the places and the times in your own life that make the most sense for the kind of work that you want to do. You know, and that's sort of a natural transition um, to sort of introduce the topic of, of the row workforce, which I think takes this to an extreme. Mm -hmm. um, Michael is uh, Indies only row facility? Uh, no longer only, but first, yes. It I think we were uh, one of the first, if not the first, small business to go row, and we were the first company in India to go row. There's a few uh, other companies now that are row, but we were, we were the first. Okay, so for people who are not familiar with a results-oriented work environment, how does that work? How does it play to the strengths of creating a productive environment? Um, well, first of all, it's actually results only. Uh, some people, there's kind of a, a, a significant difference. Uh, results only kind of uh, pinpoint the extreme nature of, of what row is all about. A lot of companies are results oriented, but when you're results only, you strip away all of the useless uh, stuff that goes with 
you know, things like filling a chair from 8 to 5, working 40 hours a week, checking in at the office, sick days, vacation days, all that stuff goes away and you focus completely on the results. And what that means is you can work wherever you want, however you want, as long as the work gets done. And that's very literal. And uh, Row is a system developed by uh, Callie Ressler and Jody Thompson. Uh, and you can read more about the system at GoRow.com, at G-O-R-O-W-E.com. And uh, it's a phenomenal way of working. And uh, both Robbie's company and mine are uh, results-only work environments. We focus strictly on results, um, and we, uh, we focus only on what's important. And so, for example, we have employees in my company that I see maybe once a month. I don't know when they work. I don't know how many hours a week they work. I don't really care because they do phenomenal work. Our customers are happy and our processes keep things running smoothly. So um, I think we went row about three years ago. And uh, looking back pre-row, we were pretty progressive already because we're a small technology company. But even looking back, you know, three years ago, it looks like the dark ages to me. Any company that is not working truly as a row is truly in the dark ages to me. Like, I, I literally feel that way. And I'm pretty extreme in that, I realize, but that's just, once you've kind of gone row, you just can't, <laughs> you can't think of anything differently because it's truly how we're meant to live. We're not meant to sit in a cubicle, sit in an office, have sick days, have vacation time, all this stuff. We're just not meant to do that. We're meant to get work done. Well, yeah. And we're meant to be productive in a way that's most useful to us and how to serve our clients. Uh, in the way that's that's most valuable to them. So as you can tell, I can talk all day about this. I'll shut up now, so Robbie can jump in. I'm going to ask Robbie because I didn't realize that you had switched to a row environment. But I have to tell you that as you were talking, Michael, I know you kept saying once you go rogue. In my head, what I was hearing was go rogue. Put <laughs> down. And um, it, it just it, it, it just plays equally well. Um, it sounds scary, but it's. It's, uh, it takes a bit of a leap of faith. I understand. <laughs> so, Robbie, you, you, you've kind of gone to a row environment well, more recently. Yeah, yeah, we are not an officially certified uh, row organization. Um, Jody and Kelly have a, a program that Michael's company, actually several companies have kind of been through now um, to become row certified. But we have been practicing many of the principles espoused uh, by the book and by the movement for really since the country began. And I think Michael was absolutely right that, you know, when you talk to other companies, it feels like they're kind of in the dark ages. Mm -hmm. I like to say, if you're not a results-only work environment, what are you? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, if results aren't the most important thing, <laughs> yeah. then what's the most important thing? Um, and if results don't far outstrip everything else that you do, what really matters? And the answer to that is, well, probably things like FaceTime, <laughs> politics, <laughs> playing golf with the boss. You know, so those are the kinds of, 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 of opposite cases to a results-only environment. So I think that, you know, there is a, a, a I mean, Michael's pretty religious about it, but at the same time, there is a big question of, you know, if your work environment isn't really focused on the meaning, the outcome of work, then isn't it easy to be distracted from that value itself? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it is. I think, um, I, I think there is, there are probably gradations. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we are not, we are not what we consider a classic results-oriented uh, results oh. only work environment. <laughs> I'm going to say we're probably more results oriented, but we are also, um, uh, I, I think we have one of our values is, is the community of the company, mm -hmm. which is challenging in a results only environment because people work where they work and it assumes, and, and tell me if this is wrong, a lot of what your folks do is independent work. A lot of what my folks are doing is collaborative. And so how does that, how do you create a, an organization or a plan 
where you are compensated for the results, but the results are the are the outcome of a shared work product. Yeah, let me let me dive in, and then I think we're going to talk very technically about this. There are two parts of the of, of the real model which are kind of scary when you first read about it. One is the word results. The word results really seems like company is only about the work that you do. Mm -hmm. But when we say results, we're talking about as resolution, right? That is the outcome or the sense of meaning that you get from doing your job. And so part of a healthy company culture, where people get along well and they do fun things together and they interact positively in the office, that can be a result that has meaning to you. Now that's not as rigid as a result like selling a new product or, or you know, closing some piece of business, but it still has that aspect of result. People are also really concerned about the idea that row environments have a compensation structure which is tied to results. Because they think, gosh, I feel like I shouldn't pay my employees that way. They're not commission salespeople. They do a variety of things. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be paying that long. And again, I would say that, you know, the, the interpretation of row isn't necessarily that every individual task has a specific dollar assigned to it. It's that we're trying to connect the sense that what you do has a community sense of meaning to the organization and to you as an individual, and that the way that a company makes money has encompassed you is kind of that same process, instead of being measured by time or something arbitrary. And we actually have a question about that from yeah. at BoldSync. Thanks for your question. Uh, this person wants to know if the compensation in a row environment is commensurate to a typical 40, 60 hour a week work week, and, or if it's lessened because of the, all the perks that you get. Um, yeah, we'll jump in on that. Um, the answer is yes. Uh, our compensation structure is very normal. We pay regular salaries. We have salespeople on you know, partial commission, which is very normal. Uh, but our salaries are, are normal salaries like you find in any other small business. So we don't tie every dollar to every result. Like Robbie's talking about, I, I agree completely that it's, it's not necessarily this extreme of tying dollars to tasks. It's, it, it's finding value and finding the outcome that you're going for as a team and working together. And and I, I do want to address what you talked about a few minutes ago, which is um, collaborative versus independent. Our company is actually a lot like yours. We have different target markets, but we build websites, we do marketing, and we also are very collaborative. And we did actually have a little bit of a challenge when we first went rogue because suddenly a lot of people said, well, I can work from anywhere I want to any time of day, and this is awesome, and they love their lives, and it's just all you know, rainbows and kittens and all good stuff. <laughs> but, um, but we did find that we had to work a little harder at collaborating sometimes because when you're in an office, you naturally collaborate because you see people. You have FaceTime, you kind of chat. You maybe don't get as much done, <laughs> but you collaborate in other ways that can be very productive. And so we had to learn how to make collaboration a priority, and we're still working on that, actually. So it's well worth the efforts, but you do sometimes, as a row, have to learn how to, once again, make collaboration a priority and still operate as a row and enjoy the, the benefits that come from that. Okay. Something else I think that we're struggling with now, you know, again, if, if you guys um, are, who are listening know our organization, you know, we've had a little bit of turnover this year. And so we've got some new folks on board who are coming up to see. Definitely look for uh, Joseph underscore M underscore Little and uh, P Wolfgram on Twitter and say hello. But in terms of bringing new employees up to speed, how do you manage that in an environment where the people who may have to train them come and go on schedules that are different um, than theirs? Here's, here's what I love to answer about this. Is a row does not mean you don't show up to work. A row does not mean that you never have meetings. A row does not mean that you never come to a location. 
a row means that you behave in such a way that the outcome is achieved. And if the outcome is to train a new employee, then obviously, you know, there's a certain way that works best. And it might be phone, it might be a webinar, it might be in person. You're going to have to figure that out. And, and we're really, we're smart enough to figure it out together. Cool. Right. And you've got a new employee that you just brought on board. That's right. And we have a model we've used really almost at the start of the company, um, which sort of embraces what Michael's talking about, which we have a, an interim process. And so as a new employee, you're, you have an interim model. And so everything is interim. You use a traditional compensation model, generally an hourly model. You have traditional work hours, traditional work requirements. And the purpose of that is to provide a transition. So you may be used to another way of working, another way of experiencing things, and also provide some predictability to that employee. And so then once the interim period is over, it may last for a month or three months, but then we say, okay, now we've had a chance to work for the company in, in this way. And you have some, some training wheels, some experience. What do you want to do next? You want to keep working for the company and you know really embrace some of these results only concepts and have the kind of freedom and also the opportunity that we talked about, or is it really not right for you? And so it really provides a nice way to transition to that. And the honest fact is that not everybody who goes through that process makes it, um, and that's okay because we know that not everybody is right for this opportunity. We're not right for everybody, but it allows us to have a predefined period in which we can explore the option of working in this what is really a radically different way than most organizations. Um, and also give people the opportunity to experience that themselves. Very cool. We just throw them right in. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Although we have, uh, uh, as a Rose certified company, we have access to a learning portal, which means that we can send employees through an online training that helps them kind of have a crash course in Rose, so they, they don't get thrown into it without any kind of background. So it's interesting. I, li I like what you do, though. It's, uh, it's a nice way to kind of onboard people. So um, when you think about it, you know, especially in small businesses, if you start a small business, um, before you have employees, you're, this is, is a results home. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, and if you're in a sales function in a small business and all you're doing is going out and selling things, especially if you're on a commission basis, your job is a results only work environment. If you don't sell, you don't make money. Right. And you don't come into the office to provide any value for you. Mm -hmm. In fact, they see you now and they get out of here. Talk to you. <laughs> Go find somebody talk to you. So, you know, so many positions that we have right now are really oriented towards the idea that work is what matters. Meaningful, significant, valuable work is what matters. And everything else we do in the office has the ability to distract us from that. Okay, um, it's uh, it, it is an interesting it's, it's an interesting conversation, and, and clearly Michael and I have danced around this for a while. As I'm trying to get my head around it, um, I used to be sort of on the I used to be on the bleeding edge in terms of when I was in corporate. Uh, I would say my environments were more closer to this. I still think we have a little bit more flexibility than the traditional company here at Round Peg and Allison's not in your head. I would agree. But I, I, uh, I don't know that I'm ready to fully embrace that. But you are. You just don't know it. I just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. You know, a lot of times um, uh, people use this word flexibility. And in fact, I saw a study done last year by Gallup that says that I think 75% of, of new hires indicated that the flexibility of their employer was a factor in choosing that job opportunity over oh, yeah. a different one. And I like that word flexibility because it's kind of a devilish sword. If you say to your, your employees, your candidates, well, we will allow you to work from home as if it's some kind of benefit, mm -hmm. some kind of, you know, truth. Yeah, like you're yeah. <laughs> really what we're saying is that we don't actually trust most people to get their work done, but once in a while, we'll let you work from home. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we say, hey, work is what matters here. Do your work and things will be great. And don't do your work, then no problem. You can go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Really, that's a much more respectful thing to do. Yeah. And so we tell the word flexible or flexible work, but it, it's, it's kind of vaguely insulting. Yeah, but some of the trap. Yeah, it's not really flexible, right? What it really means is that I'm going to give you a little bit of something 
while I don't really trust you. And so if you really trust your employees, really think they're going to do great work, then the best thing you can do is let them free. Okay. Here, here. All right, that's the challenges. Um, what I'd love to do in the last few minutes is, is talk about other types of productivity, uh, maybe some top tools or other strategies. Um, everybody's always looking for the 60-second miracle. Right. So <laughs> please wave your magic wand and uh, maybe a couple of little sound bites recognizing that they won't cure cancer all in 60 seconds. Well, I'd love for us to get that. Solution because both Michael and I love high tech productivity tools and also something which is not so technical. So I'll start. One of my favorite tools, which is free uh, for most people's uses, is a tool called Phrase Express. And Phrase Express, one word, is a text replacement tool that allows you to put more macros in, short codes into your computer. So you can, put, you can make a thing something like, um, you know, ABC expand to be a sentence or two sentences of text. Oh, like text expander, text on, expander on the Mac. Text expander on the Mac is a corresponding program. And this is such a wonderful tool because if you write emails or proposals or you're on the computer all the time, you're constantly repeating the same text over and over again. And Phrase Express is so smart that it will notice you typing the same sentence and then show you that it's available and you can add button to autocomplete. I think text expander does the same thing. It takes thing. me a ton of time. Yeah, it's a great tool. Awesome. What do you like on the technology side? Oh. I have uh, I wrote a blog post of 17 different things recently, so I have, I have a lot of tools I use. Um, well, one is more of a method. It's, uh, I use Inbox Zero, as you know. And in fact, Lorraine, I think you have adopted this company wide, right? I uh, I have some new people that need to learn okay. it again, and Allison is looking at me. I live I, I do live and die by Inbox mm -hmm. Zero. Um, it uh, there are days that it gets out of control, and I actually now when I see that screen and it isn't at zero or one or two, I actually get that sort of um, pain in my chest going, I've got to deal with it because it really, um, there's nothing better than the feeling when you have really addressed mm -hmm. one way or another, handed it to someone, delegated it, answered it, or decided mm -hmm. it's irrelevant, move on. Yeah, just made a decision. And uh, a lot of people might be surprised to find that I have not yet checked my email today, and I'm okay with that because I, I haven't blocked time to process it yet, so there's no reason to check it because I would just get bogged down in and things that are, are, um, are appropriate for the context I'm in. So Inbox Zero was um, uh, first introduced by Merlin Mann, who's a prominent productivity blogger, took some uh, tips from David Allen, uh, who wrote Getting Things Done. And so I've adapted a lot of it. I tweaked it a little bit uh, based on some other kind of experiential uh, stuff I, I figured out. So I use um, kind of my version of Inbox Zero, which I really love. And Robbie actually has a more extreme version, which I really admire, because he has no folders at all. <laughs> um, I have four or I have three folders. Um, and so Inbox Zero for me is a great way to um, be as productive as possible in email, which for most of us is a big time waster. We just get sucked into email and we just can't get out. So, uh, by the way, December 2nd, if you want to send your employees, I'm doing other Inbox Zero training. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, through BNI. So BNI-Indiana.com is where it's going to be posted. Or uh, they can tweet me for the, the link. Um, so Inbox Zero is a big one for me. Also, a lot of tools I like are uh, Tungle for scheduling meetings. Uh, you don't have the back and forth of, hey, what time are you free and blank phone tag. Um, I like Recall for Capture. Um, I like Ubiquitous Capture, which is a David Allen kind of thing, which means that wherever you are, when, when you have these ideas and these things you have to do, you capture them and then forget about them. Most of the time what we do is we say, oh, I've got to pick up milk, I've got to call so-and-so, I've got to take out the trash, I've got to do this. And the human brain is only meant to hold about seven things in a short-term memory. Once you try to remember thing number eight, nine, and ten, thing number one, two, and three is screwed, it's gone, you can't remember it. So uh, Ubiquitous Capture helps me capture things into a list, 
by speaking and transcribing it and then getting out of my brain. So stuff like that is really helpful to me. Yeah, you know, uh, this tool Michael's talking about, you use Evernote or you use uh, mm -hmm. one of these technologies for capturing ideas and whatnot. It's very powerful. Actually, it's a very low-tech version, which you can't see right now. Lorraine and Michael can see <laughs> my uh, dual jotter package. Just mm -hmm. a paper and pencil. And I find that I started carrying this around about a year and a half ago. And uh, I care everywhere I go, and I write down ideas that I have or comments or thoughts or promises to make for people. And, you know, this is really low-tech. It's just paper and pencil. But it's incredibly powerful and it works. And what's neat about it, too, is that not only does it create the sense that I remember to write, I'm going to buy milk, but I also have this phenomenon when I'm with people and I make a promise to them, they feel more confident in my promise because I've written it down. So it creates better relationships. When I follow up on that promise, and they said, oh, yeah, I'm not surprised you did that because I felt you write it down, a little book you have to do all the time. Well, we were talking about another low-tech productivity tool before we went on air this morning, and this is one that uh, Lorraine and I work on together a lot, and that is using the door. <laughs> um, it sounds really simple, but in a small, chaotic office like we have, someone's always busting in the door with an idea or a crisis or a question. And sometimes when our fearless leader actually needs to just sit down and get something done, the best thing I can do is just walk up to her and shut the door. And that's a signal not only to everyone in the office, but also to her, I think, that she's on a time crunch and that this is now her safe zone where she can get her stuff done. And if you don't have an Allison card in your office, I encourage you to close your own door. <laughs> you can do that. And an extrovert is hard to do that, though, I'm sure. It, it, it is, it's really hard. Um, it is really hard to do. Um, all my years in corporate, the door was always, you know, always open. You only shut it if you were having one of those conversations. And um, there were all sorts of negative connotations with it. Um, and I do. I thrive on people. I thrive on the conversations. But it is, um, and as long as I don't use it too often, it is really very, very powerful. Um, you know, one productivity tool that we have discovered that we just love, um, we do a lot of proposals, mm -hmm. and we use Tinderbox. And it is not an inexpensive solution, but for us, um, it's awesome because our proposals look really good. Um, when we make a change, because it's all modulized, so you know, you uh, when you build a web proposal, all the the sections of it are individual sections. You cut and paste, and when I change our pricing or change our description, once I change it, all future proposals will automatically have that new new yeah, uh, that new new piece in place. I love the fact that I can embed video. I can attach samples. So. It's taken our proposal writing. Allison turned one around in uh, less than five minutes this morning. Well, I really think that this goes back to what Michael mentioned earlier, which is that this term Kaizen, which is a Japanese term that is taken to mean continuous improvement, always be improving. Really, that's the biggest productivity tip of all, is don't save, you know, for once a year to make productivity changes. Really try to make part of your daily or your weekly routine. Is there a better way to do this? Is there a tool that I don't know about? Or reach out to other folks in your network and ask them for advice. What tools should I be using to solve this problem? I love Twitter for that. Okay, I cannot even begin to believe how fast the half an hour is gone. This is so much fun and there's so much good information. So both of you will have to come back either separately or together sometime in the spring. But if you want to catch up with Michael, give him their information one more time, please. Uh, you can reach me at, uh, actually my speaking site is michaelreynolds.com, so it's a good launch site to find everything about me and contact information. I'm on Twitter at username Michael Reynolds, and of course uh, we're online at spinweb.net, uh, which is my company. 
And also, a quick shout-out, uh, since we talked about Roe and, um, and that system uh, at TechPoint, uh, you're going to be there as well, Lorraine, speaking. Uh, TechPoint is November 8th, techpoint.org. Jody Thompson, one of the co-creators of Roe, will be speaking, so if you can learn more, definitely be there. Awesome. And, Robbie, we didn't even get a chance to talk about your book. We'll have to come back to that another time, but if people want to find your book, Oh, my book is online at failurethebook.com. The book title is Failure, the Secret of Success. And uh, you can learn more about me and my company um, there or at our company website, slaughterdevelopment.com, S-L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R, development.com. Awesome, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Allison, parting words. Always a pleasure, y'all. I'm going to keep working on Lorraine on that road thing. <laughs> and if you'd like to learn more about marketing, networking, social media, web designer, any of the many topics we talk and write about, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.